This is Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab. Your host, Greg Gazin, speaker, blogger, author, and syndicated veteran columnist of Troy Media. Episode 156, Looking Backward, Looking Forward, Reflections of a Caregiver, with our guest, Rick Lauber. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Toastcaster, the communication leadership and learning lab. With it being cold outside, I'm sure many of us are spending more time online, perhaps on social media. And for today's episode, it was actually a tweet that stopped me in my tracks. That's why we've got our guest today. Our guest today is a returning guest for the third time on Toastcaster, Rick Lauber. He is a freelance writer and published author. He's a former co-caregiver for both his aging parents. And that experience led Rick to publish two best-selling guidebooks, The Caregiver's Guide for Canadians, now in its second edition, and The Successful Caregiver's Guide. Rick is also a contributor to two Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Speaking with us today from a brisk, cold Edmonton, Rick Lauber, welcome back to Toastcaster. Thank you very much, Greg. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks again for agreeing to come back for a little bit more torture. I know that you're just <laughs> slightly under the weather today, but given that it's the last week of December, you kindly agreed to, uh, <laughs> to speak with us. The last time that we spoke, it was an article that you had written that made me think how caregiving was the ultimate leadership role. And when I thought about that, I thought this is something really important that I thought the audience could could really sink their teeth into to help better understand. And this time it was actually a tweet. And folks, let me share that tweet with you. The tweet was, don't get me wrong, I'm not stalking you, Rick. I just like <laughs> to listen to what you have to say. <laughs> I, I appreciate you uh, you following me and getting value out of what I say. And the tweet is, as a caregiver, Please don't ever question the difference you make in someone's life. Thank you so much to all caregivers for everything they do. Now that just made me stop in my tracks. I actually stopped and I stared at it because usually I scroll through the tweets, take a look and see what was interesting, what's going on, you know, who's getting mad at somebody, what happened with the latest hockey game. But for me, it's been over two decades since I was a caregiver for my dad. And sadly, I lost my wife earlier this year. And again, this quote just hit me like a ton of bricks. So Rick, I'm just wondering, just to open up today's session is what prompted you to write it? What was going through your head at the time? Wow. I think I wrote it with knowing that Christmas was coming up and uh, the holidays and this time of year can be particularly specifically difficult on many people, specifically caregivers, specifically found caregivers. They may be dealing with a very, very different Christmas. Christmas is all about uh, spending time with the family. You know, if a, if a loved one, a parent is in long-term care, uh, for example, or, or passed away, uh, then Christmas can be very, very different. You know, it's, it's a hard time. It's a hard time of year uh, for many reasons. Um, there's shopping, there's wrapping, there's cooking, there's baking, there's, uh, you know, sending Christmas cards. All of that takes time, that takes energy. Uh, you know, a family caregiver may have enough on his or her plate already. And 
uh, you know, if you can't get the job done, you may very well end up beating yourself up about it. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm thinking that as a caregiver, you may have some responsibilities, whether it's an elderly parent or perhaps it's what you do for, for your job. You're taking care of all of what they need, especially for the holidays. Plus you have yourself and you have your own entire family. I can imagine how much stress and how much pressure that it can have. It really does uh, heighten somebody's stress level considerably. You're dealing, like you say, with with decisions, with added responsibilities, uh, trying to balance that with your own life, uh, your own career, your own family, and uh, you know that can be uh, become very, very challenging. Yeah, because even myself, again, I mentioned I, my wife passed in February. My dad, it's been it's been quite a while. I still think about him often, and of course, I think about her daily right even over the last couple of months i keep thinking to myself did i make a difference is there something different that i can do and i quite often will find myself i find that I, i'm beating myself up sort of mentally in the mm -hmm. sense that i keep thinking okay there's always that coulda woulda shoulda oh, how do you handle something like that because i know i'm finding still a few challenges with that what do you suggest I think it's natural uh, what you're going through. I, I went through it myself too after both my parents uh, passed away. Um, family caregivers, I find, often second guess themselves with regards to the level of care they provide to a loved one. I think they may question their decisions that they make before and after they make them, wondering what to do when called upon can be expected of a family caregiver. They're walking new ground, for example. They may not have the relevant experience. They may be distraught emotionally. They may lack the information required to make the best decision. All of that is heightened as well. If, if there's an emergency situation, if a loved one ends up being admitted to the hospital, for example, for a fall or a broken hip or, or what have you, all of that, the decisions have to be made more immediately that increases uh, duress. Yeah, of course, that leads nicely into the another quote, again, that another tweet that you did, I can't remember, it was the last, maybe last couple of days, is you mentioned about caregivers feeling guilty about not making the right decisions for their loved ones, and they may end up feeling guilty for feeling guilty. <laughs> that's That's exactly right. I mean, what a vicious circle, right? You end up you feel guilty because you you haven't made the or you think you haven't made the right decisions you're feeling guilty for uh you know for not maybe being there or not uh, having the time necessary to provide proper care you know you may feel guilty about uh not having all the information required uh you know and that can lead to feeling guilty for feeling guilty it just spirals are there a couple of things or maybe a couple of tips that you could offer in terms of when people are beating themselves up or they're feeling guilty for feeling guilty? Are there some exercises or there's some practices or there, is there anything that they could do to try to help them get beyond this or, or help them sort of get to a point where I'm feeling, okay, this, this is okay. You touched on it uh, a few minutes ago with the coulda, shoulda, woulda. Um, I think caregivers um, really, you know, they often set themselves up with unreachable goals and unrealistic expectations. Maybe they're looking for perfection and perfection is unachievable. I think what caregivers 
should do is eliminate the shoulds. Uh, you know, I should have done better. I should have done this. I should have, you know, I should have made another decision for mom or dad. Caregivers make the best decisions they can in the moment, given what they have. You don't always have the right decision. You don't always have the proper information. You don't always know the best thing to do or say. Make the best decision you can given the moment. You know, we don't know the future. You know, none of us do. You know, so all you can do is decide what you want to, what what needs to be done with what you have, right? You know, if you're second guessing yourself, you're just asking for trouble, I think. So eliminate the shits. Stop shitting over yourself is the <laughs> best advice I can give. I think that's probably true in many, many circumstances. What about physical things that you could do? I know for me, what I did is I did a little bit of meditating, a little bit of, well, I should say a little bit of a lot of walking and, and also right. talking to other people. What do you find that works, seems to work for people? Obviously, there's there'll be different solutions for different people, but what have you seen that's really, really worked? Speaking personally, uh, well, even before and following my parents' deaths, uh, you know, I was actively writing. You know, I found writing to be a very, mm. very effective uh, coping mechanism for what was going on. You know, I talked about my feelings. I talked about my experiences, uh, you know, and, and that uh, allowed me to release what was inside of me, uh, you know, rather than like the, the champagne bottle with the cork is fine at New Year's Eve, but, uh, you know, having that, those emotions bottled up inside of you on a regular basis that, you know, and not dealing with them is, is dangerous. Uh, you know, the, the cork can pop at any time and you can blow, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I wrote, uh, like you, I walked, I walked a lot, uh, you know, just, a lot of times just not even having a destination in mind just to get out of the house, you know, and, uh, you know, see new territory, you know, uh, get some fresh air, get some exercise, fresh air clears the head, simple things, uh, you know, but caregivers can do different things for, to help themselves heal. I like the analogy of the champagne bottle. It's, per <laughs> it's perfect for this time of year when New Year's is coming up. And of course, by the time some of you might listen to this episode, New Year's had already passed. When you talk about writing, obviously you're a professional writer. What if people can't write? Are you talking about journaling or are you talking about publishing blog? Like, what are you referring to? I started with journaling. You don't have to be a professional writer to journal. You know, you can just sit down and get yourself a notebook and, you know, write out a paragraph or two of, you know, how the day was. Don't have to tell the whole story for sure. Uh, you just, you can simply uh, talk about a, you know, a certain experience. Uh, you, you went to go visit mom or dad today and there was a good day. Like mom or dad was feeling well, they were responsive. Uh, you know, write about that. I took my journaling uh, to another couple of levels. I ended up submitting, you know, uh, a number of those stories uh, for publication in a, in a local seniors newspaper uh, for publication. The benefit there was that what I wrote was not only helping me, it was helping others as well, which was, uh, which was great for me. Uh, and then in due course, you know, those articles, those published articles became the platform for my first book as well. So, you know, I've really gone through the steps. Yeah. Never underestimate someone's experience. I mean, they don't necessarily, as you said, they don't have to be a, a writer or an author to be able to to share, maybe they might even want to start a podcast about 
their experiences. Hint, you hint. never know. <laughs> I, in, I, I found that caregiving uh, opened up so many doors for me, not only with writing, but, you know, with, with meeting other people, with expanding my social circle, with, uh, you know, increasing my self-knowledge and self-awareness as to what I could do, what I was capable of, you know, increase my organizational skills, uh, you know, so many things. Bettered my relationship with my parents, bettered my relationship with my sisters. There are a lot of, lot of benefits uh, from the job as well. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to go back, folks, to episode 127, that's the episode where Rick uh, shares with his shares with us his journey, and then we talk about how what he's learned and experienced, how that parallels with uh, being that of an organizational leader. So there's a lot of leadership there. Definitely. Yeah. But getting back to what you're saying, it's interesting. You also mentioned sharing some of the wins, not just sharing the things that are bad, but sharing little small wins that certainly can can clear the air i think definitely uh you know it's not all bad certainly um if you can find some positives to focus on to remember then i think you're you're ahead yeah a good friend of mine paul is a, a former rec therapist for a elderly care facility and he, he's just the absolute ultimate optimist <laughs> Seriously, he can turn a frown into a smile on on a dime, and he seems to be really, really good at finding the small things, finding those little golden golden nuggets, finding those needles in a haystack. It's interesting how much more power those positive attributes or those positive experiences can have that can just turn sort of what some people might feel is just a horrible day into a into a huge uh, into a huge smile. Good for him. He sounds like a wonderful, uh, a wonderful friend. <laughs> yeah, he's been really helpful in uh, keeping me smiling. But, you know, the more I'm thinking about what you're saying here is, well, there's two things that are coming to mind. First of all, when we think of caregiving in the traditional sense, we often think of caring for the ill or caring for the elderly. But really, caregiving is, it's more than that. Is it fair to say that it's for anyone that you give care to, or is there a definition of a caregiver? It's very fair, Greg. Uh, you know, a caregiver is often visualized, um, you know, as an adult child looking after a, an aging parent. Granted, that's my experience. Um, you know, I came at it as a male family caregiver, which I'm a rarity because nine times out of 10, it's the the eldest daughter or the wife, the woman in the family that takes over the caregiving responsibilities, but it's not always the case. Caregivers can... Uh, can be, uh, you know, not only family, they can be friends, they can be colleagues, they can be grandchildren looking after grandparents, they can be professional caregivers, uh, such as those that work in work in the field, uh, doctors, nurses, professional caregivers, home care agencies, they can be family caregivers like me, uh, that, you know, you call them informal family caregivers, you know, nine times out of 10, they don't have the experience necessary, uh, you know, and they're, they end up treading water to try to learn and, and, uh, and keep up with things. Yeah, so it sounds like you can apply this not just in this traditional sense, but just giving care to to anyone. Absolutely. That's interesting. You know what I'm thinking, though? One of the things I, I learned, of course, the second time around as being a, having been a caregiver is the fact one of the mistakes I think I made earlier on was I didn't give enough care for myself. What I felt was I had to do everything for my dad. And of course, that meant that I didn't eat properly. I didn't sleep properly. But then 
it ultimately ended up taking a toll on myself. And I think I learned better the second time around. Don't get me wrong. It was still a work in progress. I'm still <laughs> not doing everything properly. But I'm also thinking that some of the sage advice that you're offering us is also something that we can look inwardly, not just outwardly. You learned a valuable lesson there, Greg. Um, you know, caregivers often focus completely their time, their money, their their resources on a loved one. And I find that to be, you know, natural. It's expected. I remember I did it initially, but soon realized that it was taking its toll on me. It's been said, it's been said a lot, like you have to, you know, you have to step back, you have to find some time for yourself. Not just spouting words there, it's, it's, it's vital to maintain your own uh, mental and physical well-being and, and, and good health. You've got a lot on your mind, uh, you know, you're running a lot, trying to keep up with things, uh, you're trying to balance, like I say, with your own life and family and career. It's just, it's a non-stop uh, job and uh, you know so you just have to have to be able to spend take a few minutes for yourself do something for yourself whether it's whether it's writing whether it's walking whether it's uh, going to curling up with a movie or uh, you know reading a good book uh, you know you can't really you can't really go out and meet a friend for coffee now but uh, you know you could do a zoom call with a good friend or even chat by text anything to keep you in touch with others and to break away from your own caregiving uh, is going to, is going to be beneficial. Yeah. Stay in touch. I think with a lot of us being isolated or being home alone, if you will, right? then there might be that tendency to shut yourself away. So it's not a, a bad idea to, to reach out to others. And of course, with the technology that's available today, it makes it a lot easier to do. Rick, so what we discovered today is that there are different types of caregivers. There's the traditional caregiver, but in some respects, we can all be caregivers in some respect. But what I am curious is, to be fair, this question came from my friend Paul. <laughs> when I suggested I was going to be speaking with you, he said, ask him this question. And it's a really good question is, how do you reset your life when you're no longer a caregiver? And I'll qualify that saying, when you're no longer a caregiver, in the traditional sense? Big question there, Greg. Um, I would say, I would recommend allow yourself some time to grieve. And, and remember that grieving is a personal process. It does take time. It does take work. Uh, you know, you cannot rush grieving it may take it may take six months it may take six years to get over um you may never completely get over it uh and that's that's fine as well uh you know find yourself a coping mechanism or two or three whatever works for you you know whether it's writing whether it's going to the gym whether it, whether it's reading whether it's uh you know gardening or, or what have you find something to uh you know help fill your time and give you something else to concentrate on the stop the shitting on yourself. Like I said before, you've done the best you could given what you have. You made the best decisions uh, given what you knew at the time. And just take your time, take it slow. Don't rush yourself back into anything that you won't be comfortable with uh, or you're not ready for. Because I know even myself, the emotions, right? You almost find it 
hard to just leave it all behind. You, you seem to be on that, on that train going full speed ahead every day and then nothing. It, it's hard. It is. Uh, you know, I, I remember uh, very well after both my parents died, I, I, I felt very empty. You know, I felt very lost. I, I had my regrets uh, over a number of things. Uh, you know, when I questioned the decisions I'd made, I'd questioned, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I'd lost, uh, you know, not only my parents, I'd lost the, the chance to ever have, like ever really get to know them too. My parents were very quiet, very reserved, uh, you know, so we didn't really talk very much about personal matters as, as a family, you know, when I was younger. So, you know, I miss all of that and I still miss all of that. Um, especially around Christmas. I, you know, Christmas can still be a, a difficult time. I have those, I have those twinges of, uh, of regret that come up and, uh, you know, it's been, it's been about 10 years since, since dad died longer since mom died. Uh, you know, but I still, you know, I still think back and I still, I, I still remember. So how about this year? How was your Christmas? What was going through your head this year? What were some of your thoughts? It's been given that it's been at least a decade. Well, you know, I had my I had my memories of of some Christmases past. Uh, I had some regrets, uh, less regrets than I've had in the past about what that whole experience brought and how I managed it. Uh, you know, I had some regrets about not knowing my parents. You carry on. We had a we had a quiet Christmas with my small family get together, and uh, you know it was uh, it was nice. Uh, you know we ended up uh, reminiscing a bit and just enjoying the day with each other's company. You can still have some of those old family traditions, uh, maybe just less of them, less uh, fewer of them rather um, to keep the memories alive. I think it will always be a tough time of year, uh, you know, just because, uh, like I said before, it's it's all about celebrating with family and normally. And, uh, you know, if your family has changed dramatically, then Christmas will change dramatically as well. It's okay to allow yourself some of those moments of sorrow, but you try to focus on reminiscing, but also the looking at the positive side, but also making new memories, looking forward to the future and, and looking how things will be different, but just embracing that. 150%. Absolutely. Wow. Well, Rick, thank you so much for spending the time talking with us today. Again, trying to keep things on a, on a positive note. Your, um, your Caregiver's Guide for Canadians, again, now in its second edition and the successful Caregiver's Guide are, are doing very well. Obviously, they are helping people in terms of, of getting through. What's, uh, what's 2022 looking like for Rick Lauber? Uh, there's a bit of an unknown there with the, uh, with the pandemic. I, I mean, I, I used to, uh, you know, one of the, my favorite things I, I have done in the past pre COVID was, was, uh, visiting bookstores and doing book signings. And, uh, to be honest with you, I haven't done one of those in about two years now. And, and I miss it. I miss it greatly. Uh, you know, being able to meet people personally and, and have that interaction with them. I think what I'd focus on is, uh, what I guess I have been focusing on re recently is is doing more writing in support of what I've written, which means uh, you know I'll look for look for opportunities to write stories for newspapers, magazines, and blogs, and wherever else I can share the word about caregiving and get the word out. 
Super. So if people want to stalk you, I mean, <clears throat> follow you. <laughs> <laughs> they, can, they can ask you where to find me on Twitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. If people are interested in finding out more about Rick Lauber, about the Caregiver's Guide for Canadians and the successful Caregiver's Guide, which I understand is more based for the U.S. market, you can right. certainly, of course, check previous episodes of Toastcaster, but you can find Rick Lauber where? Online, uh, my website ricklauber.com, L-A-U-B-E-R. Excellent. I'm also on. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, I'm also on Twitter as uh, uh, CDN Caregiver. Excellent, Rick Lauber. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here again today, and I wish you all the best for. 2022 and beyond. My pleasure, Greg. I, I return those uh, well wishes to you. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. A new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.